The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, turn to Acts chapter 21. You know, if you're a... uh, This thing's awful hot. If you're a... Speak in front of folks. There's a couple things you fear. You don't want any toilet paper stuck to your shoe. And you don't want your britches unzipped. My my uh, leash out here that Jeremy puts on me was hung up in my britches, so I went back there and straightened them out, and I was told your britches are unzipped. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad he told me, because y'all have sat here the whole service and not said a word, wouldn't you? And then you'd have went home and talked about it all the rest of the day. So uh, I appreciate that, whoever, maybe just he and I was the only two that knew it, so good deal. <laughs> oh, he said everybody back here, so <laughs> oh, I'm just that kind. It doesn't terribly embarrass me, but that would be embarrassing. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about uh, how do we know if God's speaking to us? And I gave you kind of an outline of how, how we can go through some things, and that was we would know through God's Word and God's Spirit how He directs us. Uh, we would be able to keep a record of those things where God is talking to us and what He's saying to us. And then one of the uh, points that I made was uh, godly advice. Well, this morning, I want to talk about giving advice because you may be one of those persons that uh, someone comes to for advice. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 21. And uh, I think the thing about this is we need to be careful how we give advice. Do y'all ever just give advice just right off the top of your head? You know, boy, single single people, I wouldn't put up with that. Well, that's probably why you're single. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, uh, just just advice of, uh, of this, is, uh, this is just the way I think, and we just throw it out there. Uh, advice can be a wonderful thing. It can also be an absolute disaster. And um, I think probably all of us can can go back and remember maybe some bad advice we have gotten or maybe some bad advice we have given or maybe some bad advice that uh, that we've given other people and, and, and uh, that's been given to you. Norma Bombeck, I, I imagine most of you have heard of her. She's kind of a witty writer and a... She writes this about advice. Never have more children than you have car windows. Never loan your car to someone to whom you have given birth. Pick your friends carefully. A friend never goes on a diet when you're fat. Or tells you how lucky you are to have a husband that remembers Mother's Day when he gave you a smoke alarm as a gift. (laughs) Seize the moment. Remember all those women on the Titanic who waved off the dessert cart. I like that one. Know the difference between success and fame. Success is Mother Teresa. Fame is Madonna. Never be in a hurry to terminate a marriage. Remember, you may need this man or woman someday to finish that sentence for you. And there's no guarantees in marriage. If you're looking for a guarantee, go live with a Sears battery. So that's some that's some that's some advice that Norma Bombeck has uh, and some of that may be good advice some of it may be bad advice but that's that's kind of the way advice is and Paul uh, in our text today is given two different occasions by people who had a considerable amount of influence on his life 
And he's given advice by these people. And listen, these people cared deeply about Paul. I mean, they loved Paul. They, they cared a lot about him. And they didn't want to see him suffer. They didn't want to see him go through any hardships. So they urged him not to go to Jerusalem. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Now, not everyone agrees on how to interpret Acts chapter 21. Some see this as an example of Paul uh, making a grave mistake by going to Jerusalem. Others see it as uh, they, that he went against the Holy Spirit's clear direction not to go to Jerusalem. I don't, I don't agree with that. Paul, of course, was human. He made mistakes, but I don't believe this was a, a mistake that Paul made. And uh, Paul had just experienced some, uh, uh, some really heart-tearing leaving of the, uh, 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 some elders there in Ephesus. Uh, and as he left, he's moving on. He's headed to Jerusalem. So he's already, his heart's already heavy because he left some people that he really loved. And, uh, and he told them, if you, if you turn back in your Bibles, and I don't have this scripture in, uh, chapter 20, verse 38, he tells those elders, I'll never see you again. So, I mean, he, he's hurting, you know. He's already uh, said his final goodbyes. He said, I'm not, I'll not see you again. The Holy Spirit had previously revealed to Paul uh, in, in chapter 20, verse 23, that he was headed for chains and tribulation. So Paul understood where he was headed. He understood as he headed to Jerusalem that he would have some of these things. And knowing the danger that lay ahead, he went ahead and trusted God. And that's where we're going to start, uh, not fearing the consequences. In Acts chapter 21, we read, uh, Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them... Now he's talking about the, uh, the Ephesian elders. We've departed from them and we set sail running a straight course. We came to Kos and the following day to Rhodes and there to Parada. And the, finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left and sailed to Syria and landed there in Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo Look at verse 4. I think this is interesting. Paul's just on this ship. Uh, he's sailed now to Tyre. And he says in verse 4, And finding disciples there, we went and stayed seven days. How would you like that? You know, somebody new just comes into community, and they knock on your door and say, Hey, I'm here. Uh, you're a fellow Christian. I want to stay with you a while. So that's kind of what we see. And he stayed there seven days. And they told Paul, Listen, through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. So in verse 1, it takes us from Malta's where Paul had met with the Ephesian elders to Tyre. And it moves us into that part where Paul's party looks up the believers and stays with them for seven days. This wasn't just Paul by himself. This was a group that's traveling with Paul. Matter of fact, if you study Acts and you study Paul's travels, you know that Luke was traveling with him, one of the disciples. So Luke is there. He's going along with those guys that are traveling. And and this is where he gets his first advice. And I want you to notice a couple of things about this first advice. And I want you to kind of apply this to yourself. And also, if you're getting advice, think about some of these things. But sometimes good people can give you the wrong advice. Sometimes that happens. And sometimes we good people, we can give wrong advice. So when they landed in Tyre, Paul went looking for these other Christians' companions. And uh, they told Paul that through the Spirit, 
Don't go up to Jerusalem. Now, right here, I'm fixing to start talking about something that some of you might tune out on, but don't tune out right here. Listen to what this is talking about. This passage of Scripture, the word through, is D-I-A, die. It's not the same word used in Acts chapter 13, verse 4, which is hupo. Let me tell you what the difference is. They're, they're talking about being led by the Spirit, okay? The, the passage in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 4, it speaks of the direct agent of the Holy Spirit, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a directive. It's something that was directly through the Holy Spirit. So if we go back, and I didn't get this up there either, but I'll just read it to you so you'll understand. 13.4 says, And the two of them was sent by the Holy Spirit, and they went down and sailed to Cyprus. So when we see that, this is this word, there was a, there was a directive given. Hey, we want you to go to, to, to Cyprus. The word used here that we just read is better understand in conscience of the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit has compelled them, has compelled, uh, has constrained Paul to go. In other words, when we look at what the Holy Spirit says, Paul says, I've been constrained by the Spirit, I've been compelled by the Spirit. These folks that are giving advice turn that word around. Of course, we don't use those words. And they basically said, hey, the Holy Spirit told us you don't need to go to Jerusalem. See, they used the wrong term there. They, they said, okay, Paul, we know Paul's in the Spirit. We know he wants to be where God wants him to be. So, hey, Paul, the Holy Spirit told us to tell you a directive, don't go. But Paul understood that in the light of this advice, the Holy Spirit had already told him, hey, you're going to Jerusalem, I'm, I'm compelling you to go to Jerusalem. I'm leading you, in other words, to go to Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit, it's revealed to Paul that he would go uh, to, to Jerusalem. And it also revealed to him, remember what we just read, that he would undergo suffering. And uh, this suffering was for Christ's sake. So the Holy Spirit didn't tell them to inform Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now remember, we're talking about giving advice. They said, through the Spirit, we're telling you not to go. But when we study this passage, those good, well-meaning Christians understood Paul was going to face some persecution, that he was going to end up in chains. So they just kind of twisted around what the Holy Spirit had told them and said, hey, Paul, you shouldn't go. Now, I want you to think about your advice today. You know what those folks did? They said, we understand that Paul's got some trouble ahead of him, so... Let's tell him not to go at all. In other words, they, they cared for Paul. They loved Paul. They, they thought, man, Paul, we don't want to see you go through all of those things. So, Paul, we don't even think you are to go. So they gave him that advice saying the Spirit directed us that way. Well, that wasn't true. Now, let me give you some examples how maybe we would do that today. And I have an example that I dealt with in the past. I was a youth minister at, at First Baptist Church Fairview for several years. We had, had about seven youth that surrendered to the ministry. About five of them really stayed with the ministry, and, and one of them in particular, his good family, great family. His dad's very successful in the oil business and worked all over the world, actually spent several years over in Russia working, and uh, they came to me one time, and they said, you know, uh, this young man, he's, he's wanting to go into the ministry. And uh, we told him we didn't think he ought to do that. 
And I said, well, why would you think that? Think that? And he said, well, we, we, think he ought, we think he ought to go to school, and we think he ought to get a business degree, and we think he ought to go into to, to the, to the, the, the corporate world because he can't make no money being a, a minister. He can't make no money going into the youth ministry. He, he can't do that. We want, him to, we want him to be successful. See what they were doing? He said, hey, I felt the call of the Holy Spirit that's called me into ministry. And they said, oh, we love you so much. And we want you to be successful. And, and we want you to thrive. And we want you to, to have all the, the, the great things of life. We don't think you ought to pursue that career. Now, we can sit here today and say, Mm-mm-mm. I can't believe a parent would do that. But I want you to think about it. We do that. We, we, we love our children. We, we love our friends. We love our families. And, and sometimes when they say, hey, I, I feel the Lord is leading me in this direction, we say, well, wait a minute now. Don't, you know, don't be a fanatic. After all, you're saved. We don't need to go any farther than that. And that's kind of what we see taking place in Paul's life. So I want to encourage you, when you're giving advice, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and, and try your best to take your own biases out of that. Because after all, there's no better place to be than in the center of God's will. Amen? And if we can take our, our students or we can take our friends or we can take family members and we steer them away from God where God wants them to be, God may allow that, but I don't think they'll ever reach the full potential that God had for them. So, so we need to be careful not to do what Paul's friends do. Here's the second thing. Sometimes the advice we offer can be based more on what we desire than what God's will is. Now, beginning in verse 5, we, we travel with Paul from Tyre down to Caesarea, and there Paul is. He stands with uh, the home of Philip the Evangelist, and listen what it says, and we had come to the end of those days, and we departed, and we went on our way. And so he's leaving uh, Tyre, and he's headed away. And all of these people accompanied us with their wives and with their children, till we were out of the city. <clears throat> and we knelt down there on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and we returned home. Or they boarded the ship and they returned home. In verse 7. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Fultimus and agreed with the brethren and stayed there with them for one day. On the next day, uh, we who were Paul's companions departed and went to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now, verse 9, there was a man who had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed there many days, a certain prophet named Abagus came down from Judah. And when he came to us, he took Paul's belt around from Paul and bound his own hands and his feet. So this prophet Abagus, he takes Paul's belt, he binds his, his feet and his hand, not Paul's, his own. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet in his hands, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and delivers him into the hands of the Gentiles. So this prophet comes down, he takes Paul's belt, he binds his own hands, his own feet, and he said, Here's, here's the word by the Holy Spirit. You're going to go to Jerusalem, and the Jews are going to bind you, and they're going to turn you over to the Gentiles. Now, when we study Paul, you're going to see how all of this takes place and how all of this happens. This name, this man Abagus, he, he really didn't say, don't go to Jerusalem, did he? 
He didn't, that wasn't his prophecy. He, 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 he didn't interpret his prophecy. He, he, he simply let Paul and those there interpret it for themselves. Now verse 12 says, Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him, do not go to Jerusalem. So remember what he's done. He's left. He's got a group of people with him. He goes here. He's there at Philip's house. The evangelist, this prophet comes in and says, hey, this is what's going to take place when you go to Jerusalem. And they start pleading with him, do not go. Please don't go to Jerusalem. And Luke even indicates, even Luke joined in with that. So why is Paul getting these warnings? I think there's there's several possibilities. But one, I think those warnings intend to convince him not to go to Jerusalem. That's what they're doing. They, they say, hey, we, our, our, our desire, we have more desire that you stay than, than that you would follow God's will. The, the second thing, they, maybe they're prepared uh, saying, hey, you're not prepared for what's awaiting you. They maybe say, Paul, you, you may not understand these things, but these warnings are, are intended to test him. That's what some say. Maybe they were just to test to see what Paul was going to do. In any of the situations there, we need to go back and look at those giving advice. Remember what I said? Sometimes we offer advice that's based more on what we desire than what the will of God is. We need to be careful about those things, about what we desire more than what the Holy Spirit desires. It's my belief that these believers were right in their understanding that, that Paul would be in prison in Jerusalem, but they were wrong in their conclusion that Paul shouldn't go. Just because it was going to be a rough path ahead, just because there were going to be some rough times ahead, they made the wrong conclusion that, that they shouldn't even go. And here's the thing. They were the majority. Isn't it easier to go with the majority? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Y'all remember that story? When the king said, the trumpet's going to sound, and everybody bow down. And there were thousands. And the trumpet sounded... And everybody bowed down but three. That's tough. Because the king come back and said, wait a minute, y'all must not have heard me. When the trumpet sounds, everybody bows down. They sound the trumpet, three stood. The king said, okay, here's the deal. If you don't bow down, you know what's going to happen. They're going to throw him in the fiery furnace. The trumpet sounds and, and they stand. Sometimes, sometimes going with the majority is the wrong thing to do. And as we look at Paul, he understood the Spirit of God wanted him moving in a certain direction. We're going to talk more about this in just a moment when we come to a close. But, but as Americans, we think demographically, if the majority is going this way, this is probably the way we should go. Folks, when we're giving advice, we don't need to think about what is, what's the demographic would do. What, what would the majority of people say? We need to allow our advice to come from the direction of the Holy Spirit, not based on what we desire, but what God's desire. Here's my last point. Sometimes our advice, rather than encourage people to follow the will of God, discourages it. Sometimes our advice, it, it discourages people from following the will of God. Think of the pressure that must have been on Paul. He has this group of people traveling with him. He has uh, this, this big following there at Philip's house, and, and they're saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. Think about the pressure he's under. Just to think about, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I hear what you're saying. Look what he says about it in verse 13. This is what I read earlier. This is Paul's answer to him. He says, what do you mean by weeping 
and breaking my heart. That word, breaking my heart, is a phrase that literally means tearing me apart. It means to break someone's will. And that's what Paul said. He said, you know, here I am, I've come to you, we've been on prayer, I'm on a, on a missionary journey from God, and, and you've come and, and you've begun to discourage me. And it's, it's tearing me apart, it's breaking my will, it, it's pulling me in every direction. And we need to be careful when we give advice. He, he says, why are you doing this to me? I need your encouragement. I know the Spirit's leading me, and, and instead of you encouraging me, you're crippling me with your, degree, with your grief. What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? Paul, he, he, he must have been determined. And in his determination, listen to what he said. He says, why are you grieving? Why are you weeping? Why are you pulling me apart? For I am, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to, to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. That was his reply. He said, I came for encouragement, and you're, you're, you're pulling me in every direction, and don't you understand, I'm, I'm ready to be bound for Christ. I'm even ready to die, if that's what it means. He, he said this several other times. Philippians 1, 20-25, According to my earnest expectations and hope, that nothing will happen that I would be ashamed of. But with all boldness, as always, so now in Christ, He will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. But if I live on this, in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two. Listen to what he says. Having a desire to part, desire to leave and be with Christ is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for all of your progress in joy of faith. Paul says, you know what? I know if I'm alive on earth, I'm going to be serving the Lord. But you know what, if, I, if, if Christ calls me home, I'm going to be at home in Christ, which is far better. Paul came to that understanding. Three times he said, I'm ready. I'm, I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. Romans 1.15, he says he's ready to serve. In our text we see today, he said he's ready to suffer. In 2 Timothy 4.6, he states that he's ready for sacrifice. He said, I'm ready. Whatever comes to me, folks, you're, you're tearing me apart and I want encouragement. You need to understand I'm ready. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready? And here's what I'm asking you. How could Paul face eternity and death without fear? He had no fear. I mean, they said, you're going to go and they're liable to kill you. He said, I'm ready. How, how can he do that? And, and Paul wasn't afraid of death because he knew his sins had been forgiven. Folks, are you ready? Do you know your sins have been forgiven? That's how we can face death like Paul did. Oh, I'm not talking about we don't want to die. That's what Paul said. He said, you know what? I, I want to stay in the flesh. I want to be here. I want to be with you. Nevertheless, if Christ calls me home, whatever Christ leaves me to do, I'm ready. And listen to what he says to him in Corinthians. Then shall be brought to the past, saying what is resin. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood that to be present with the Lord was to be absent from the body. But he said, you know what? Because my sins are forgiven, then I'm ready however God would lead me. Paul didn't argue. He didn't spend time discussing these different things. He said, this is what God's will is. And this is where we're going to close. Look at verse 14 and 15. Now, this is where I want you to think, Christians. So when when he would not be persuaded, we ceased... In other words, we quit arguing with him about it, saying, well, may the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we packed up and went to Jerusalem. They went ahead and went there with him. And like I say, we'll study Paul one of these days, and you'll see all the things that happened to him uh, when he got to Jerusalem. But, But since they didn't have their way, they said, okay, may God's will be done. Here's what I want you to notice. They must have knew what God's will is, didn't they? I mean, how else would it say, so when we could not persuade him, we said, well, let the Lord's will be done. So it all comes back to this. When we are the ones giving advice, if we understand what God's will is, that's the advice we need to give. We don't need to take our personal feelings into it. We don't need to let our emotions get into it. We don't need to just shoot from the hip and say, oh, this is what I think. We, we can pray about it. We can talk to that person and say, hey, let's just lift this up in prayer. Let's read Scripture. Let's see how God would lead us. And, and when God reveals His truth in His way, then say, well, well let the Lord's will be done. If, if you're going to surrender to the ministry and God's leading you that way, well, that's God's will. And, and God has revealed that to me in my heart. And, and may His will be done. So when we give advice, I want to encourage you to to be sure that you take those other factors out and that you truly would allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead you and direct you. Three things right here in closing. Paul's friends demonstrated the common inclination to be quick to the point and to point out God's will for somebody else. We do that sometimes. We're we're sometimes quick to the point to, to point out God's will for somebody else's life. That's what his friends does. Although Paul's friends, they, they no doubt meant well. There's no question they meant well for Paul. Although they, they no doubt meant well, they were trying to make God's will conform to their will. You know, they, they said, Paul, we just don't want you to go there. Oswald Chambers in my upmote for his high says this, to choose to suffer means that there's something wrong. To choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is a very different thing. No healthy saint ever chooses to suffer. He chooses God's will, as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. Now, I want to read that to you again because I want want you to hear what he's saying, and I want you to think about what Paul's saying. To choose to suffer means there's something wrong. In other words, we see pictures of of people going to uh, the, the Vatican and climbing up rolls of stair on their elbows and their knees in order to pay penance for their sins. They, they choose to suffer that way. Well, he's saying there's something wrong with that. I mean, uh, for one thing, God paid for our sins through Jesus Christ. We don't have to pay for our sins. 
But, but he says here to choose to suffer means there's something wrong. But to choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is a very different thing. No healthy saint ever chooses suffering, but he chooses God's will as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. And here's the last thing. Paul's friends in urging him not to go to Jerusalem were actually being used by the enemy. And that's what we talked about last. Uh, to discourage him from following the Lord. I want to to ask you to bow your heads, and I want to keep your thoughts for just a moment. We talked about a couple of things that we need to know if if we're in the middle of God's will. Here's what we talked about. God's Word. Paul had God's Word that says, Paul, you're going to Jerusalem. So Paul had that. We talked about keeping a record, keeping a note of what God is speaking to you. Paul wrote those things down. He, they did, he didn't have a King James Version or NIV or New American Standard. He wrote those things down. You know how we know? Because we have them right here. So Paul got God's Word. He kept a record of God's Word. And then he went in godly counsel. Now, godly counsel wasn't correct. But he had two other things that he said, You know, I've read it in God's Word. I've written down what God has spoke to me. And as he continued to have discussions with those godly friends, they begin to say, well, we know that is God's will for you, and we're going to load up, we're going to head to Jerusalem with you. See, even in the life of Paul, the same process still works to know how God is speaking, where God is leading. This morning, we're going to have a time of invitation, and the Holy Spirit of God moves in the hearts of his people, and I told you a few weeks ago, no one comes unless they're drawn by the Spirit. And this morning, if the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you, is calling you, is wooing you, then you would respond in faith as you move. I don't know what it would be. It may be to join this church. It may be to rededicate your life. It may be uh, for salvation uh, that you'd say, you know, I'm not ready. I'm I'm not like Paul was. I'm, I'm not prepared. And and I want to live to be a hundred, but if God calls me tomorrow, I'm ready. My 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 house is in order. You say, Jake, how do you know? It says in the Bible, these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. We can have blessed assurance. However, the Spirit might lead you to this day. I want to ask, would you respond to the calling and to the wooing of the Spirit, Father? I pray now as we just uh, come to a time of invitation, we come to a time of allowing Your Spirit to move within us. I pray that You'd lead us, that You'd guide us, and You'd direct us in Your ways. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>